Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God's delays are not God's denials. His delays are not his denials. Just because he's not answering your prayer right away doesn't mean he's not going to answer your prayer. And I would caution you too that not every prayer is an answer in the affirmative. Not every prayer is answered with the yes. Oftentimes God answers prayers with no or well, just wait, just wait. But there's Joseph in jail and he's just, he's waiting. He knows he has to wait on the Lord because, well, man has failed him. In today's message, you'll hear how Joseph's life went from bad to worse, and Pastor James will point out Joseph's outlook during this time. Despite the trials that he's facing, his attitude remains the same. He continues to rely on the Lord through the struggle. Have you faced trials in your life? Know that the Lord is steadfast, and He's always there. He's always in control, even when life seems unmanageable. The Lord has a reason for seasons of change. He's faithful, and He'll guide you through. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 41 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Genesis chapter uh, chapter forty one. We we just this is what we do. We go through. We pick a book, not randomly. Spend a lot of time just kind of praying uh, and seeking the Lord as far as what do you want us to go through. We believe that the Word of God is inspired uh, and it's God breathed, and so we like to just go through the whole thing. And so, so we've been walking through Genesis chapter by chapter, if can be. Sometimes we got to break it up and all that good stuff. But last week we were in. Chapter 40 of Genesis, and, and we got to see Joseph. Um, he got thrown in jail. Um, he was bought by Potiphar, who was an Egyptian. And something that I forgot to mention last week, sometimes this will happen. Sometimes I'll, I'll just move on. And right, this time I was like, oh, I should have said this. Um, but so uh, this is, you know, this, is, this isn't anything that's like, you know, concrete. But when Joseph got locked up in prison, uh, you know, he was put in the care of the the keeper of the prison or the captain of the guard, right? What I forgot all about, and you probably knew this, um, but you're like, wait a minute. Genesis 39 says that Potiphar is the captain of the guard. So essentially, Joseph could have been just relocated by his boss, Potiphar, to like no longer ruling over his house and making him successful within his own home, because that's what Joseph did. The Lord used him tremendously in Potiphar's house. However, Potiphar's wife really liked Joseph. Um, But... So when he was made the captain or, you know, to oversee and to help out the captain of the guard, there's a really good chance. And a lot of people believe that that was just Potiphar saying, like, listen, I can't have you in my house. My wife is crazy. Um, And she's made these accusations. So technically, I do have to really, you know, it would have cost Joseph his life. He would have been executed for that, even just the allegation. Potiphar cared, I believe, tremendously about Joseph and recognized that God's hand was on Joseph. And so Potiphar, if he still is the captain of the guard that we're speaking of, just told him, hey, listen, why don't you come work for me? Yeah, you got to live in prison. You're going to be in prison. That's no fun. I don't care who you are. Um, Living in prison is no fun, all right? But there's a good chance that Joseph was still connected to Potiphar 
even as he was serving an unjust um, term within, within prison. So just interesting how sometimes these things play out. But regardless, even if you're in jail with your buddies, jail is not a fun place to be. Um, I, don't care, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Being, you know, having your freedom taken away from you, especially in Joseph's case, uh, is, is just, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, this is one of those instances in life where we can say, this isn't fair. However, Joseph was remained in prison, and, now, and while he was there, there was a, a, a cupbearer to the king or to Pharaoh, and then there was a baker. Um, those guys got locked up, and they were put in Joseph's care because they did something that, that upset Pharaoh. And uh, Joseph was ministering, even when he was in prison. And this is, again, just a mind-blowing thing, that even when he is unjustly locked up, he is serving within prison. He's thinking about others more than himself. Uh, I would be, like I said last week, I'd be the opposite. I would be so consumed about myself that I wouldn't care about anybody else. I wouldn't care. You're having a bad day? Big deal. I'm locked up in prison. I ain't even do anything, right? Like, that's where I would live, unfortunately, okay? Praise God that he is still working on me. And uh, there's, there's growth, I would hope, within my life after 20 years of walking with them. But Joseph is there. He's tending to the needs of these guys. They have two dreams. It's, it's fascinating. Joseph himself had two dreams when, before he got sold as a slave by his brothers. Um, they, he, now he's taking care of these two prisoners. They have two dreams. Pharaoh, in the chapter we're going to go through today, he has two dreams. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's just fascinating that there's two, there's two, there's two. Joseph and dreams. He, he's surrounded by dreams and dreamers and all that good stuff. But he hears the cupbearer's dream, and, and it's a good it's a good thing. He says, listen, you're going to get your job back, right? Whatever Pharaoh thought you did, you, you, you know, it, you're going to be cleared of all charges. You're going to get your job back, and you'll be serving Pharaoh. However, do me this favor. Remember me. That was what Joseph was telling the cupbearer. He's like, please remember me as you are working side by side with Pharaoh. The one who can get me out of here is Pharaoh. The only one who can get me out of this is Pharaoh. And kind of as the thought process, we understand truly the only one who could deliver Joseph from jail was, well, was really Jesus. Because even Jesus is in control of a Pharaoh. Like that Pharaoh is not ruling where he's at unless Jesus has appointed him there. Right. And so but Joseph's like, hey, man, just here's, you know, here's my story. He did. He doesn't tell him that my brothers, man, they sold me out. They literally sold me as a slave. He says, I-, I was stolen from my home. I was stolen from my home. Can you please tell that to Pharaoh so that he will have mercy on me and rescue me? Cupbearer's like, sure thing, bro. Sure thing. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. It's cool. He totally forgets about it. Totally forgets about him completely. I mean, in an instant, you know, walks out of that jail cell and is just a free man and has completely, absolutely forgotten about Joseph. The baker had a dream as well. He's carrying bread on, in baskets on his head and birds are eating the bread out of the baskets. He's thinking that that maybe will have a favorable thing as well, like he'll get his job back. But even in the description of the dream, you're like, birds are eating bread off of your head. I'm sorry, but that doesn't, I don't interpret dreams but that just sounds bad to me, right? Like, that sounds bad. Sure enough, it was. He was going to die in three days. Three days, the cupbearer would be, would be rescued, brought back to life, so to speak. And in three days, the, the baker, the chief baker, the guy who was over all the food and the, you know, for the pharaoh, he would be executed. And all these things happened just as Joseph had interpreted them. And then there again, we left off that chapter with Joseph sitting in prison 
just waiting, waiting. Waiting on somebody to remember him, waiting on the cupbearer. Maybe, maybe today he told, the, he told Pharaoh about me. Maybe today. And, and even ultimately at the, the foundation of it all, Joseph is really just, he's there and he knows that God is with him. And so ultimately he's waiting on the Lord. He's just waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on the Lord. Maybe today, maybe today. But in the meantime, I'm not just going to sit by idle. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to serve here. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys know what that's like. I'm, I'm sure you do. There's probably things within your life where, you know, you're just waiting on God to show up and do something. You're like, come on. Come on. Like, I know, this life is so frail and it's a vapor. Even in the word you say, like, our life is just so, it's a, it's a vapor. Lord, I don't have a lot of time. I need you to do something now. Please, now. I, I put this quote out yesterday. Um, from Skip, Skip Heitzig, he says, God's delays are not God's denials. His delays are not his denials. Just because he's not answering your prayer right away doesn't mean he's not going to answer your prayer. And I would caution you, too, that not every prayer is an answer in the affirmative. Not every prayer is answered with the yes. Oftentimes, God answers prayers with no or, well, just wait, just wait. But there's Joseph in jail, and he's just, he's waiting. He knows he has to wait on the Lord because, well, man has failed him. Mankind has failed him. He's in jail because his own brothers sold him as a slave to Egypt. And then Potiphar's wife lied about him, and that got him thrown into jail. And then he does a good thing. He serves, he ministers, he pours out his heart, his life to these prisoners that are placed in his care, and they forget about him. Well, one dies, so we understand that. But the cupbearer, he's serving with the king for two years before the light bulb comes on. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I remember. There's this kid, this young man. He can interpret dreams. God's timing is perfect. It's perfect. Sometimes it's perfectly like maddening within our lives, okay? Just absolutely insane where we're just like, I cannot wait any longer. And God's like, well, we'll see about that. We'll see. We'll just see how far you can stretch, right? It's just, it's, sometimes it's maddening. And then in that moment, and this is what we're going to see in chapter 41, in that moment, when he does show up, I mean, it's a whirlwind. It sometimes is a whirlwind. And you should, in the time of waiting, I would, I would ask you, that I would, would just recommend this to you. Prepare yourself for what he has. Don't sit idly. Maybe you're praying, you've been praying for years for this thing to happen or for, for so-and-so and all that stuff. Wisdom would say, while you're waiting, be preparing. Because when he does answer, I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster ride. It's a whirlwind. And that's kind of, in one sense, it's what we've been doing with this building. Um, we are actively praying that this building would be ours. And that when people drive by, they always see the for sale sign. And they're like, well, surely there's no church still meeting there, right? Because it's for sale. That means everybody's moved out. And it's like, no, no, we're here. No, we're here. Our, our prayer is that that for sale sign goes down because we've bought this place. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we've been showing up when we can, and we've been just clearing out the building. We've been preparing the building for it to be ours because we just trust the Lord. That, and he may say, no, this isn't the building I have for you. Sweet. Okay. 
then we cleared it out for somebody else. Um, and hopefully they enjoy it. But we've been actively going through room by room, closet by closet, and we've just been clearing out all the junk because while we're waiting, we should be active. Because I know when God answers that prayer, you better, you better be ready for the whirlwind that's going to come along with that. And it's like, just be prepared, be prepared. Joseph, he's sitting in prison, and God is working on him and working in him and through him and preparing him for chapter 41. Chapter 41, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years, two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river, this is the Nile River, uh, seven cows looking are fine looking and fat. That's a weird description for cows. I mean, the fat part I get, but fine looking, that just sounds weird even to say it. I'm like, what? Ranchers are like, yeah, I get that. I understand that. That's fine looking cows, all nice and plump and ready to be productive. This is one of the major industries of Egypt at this point in time. So out of the river come seven cows and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt or malnutrition, skinny. They stood by the other cows on the, on the bank of the river, and the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke, and he, he slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed, it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Let me let you know, this end of the two full years, when Pharaoh has this dream, these are God-appointed dreams. You need to know that God does have access to your subconscious. He does. So when you're sleeping, he can communicate to you, and he can communicate certain things to you. It doesn't happen often for me. Um, if I dream stuff, I don't even know what I dream. I have no clue. I don't remember dreams at all, at all. I've had some weird ones, but I think it's all food associated. Um, those are the ones I remember, but I think there's times when the Lord needs to get a hold of somebody. He can use a dream to do that. Now, dreams, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Sometimes we make a bigger deal out of dreams than I think what the Lord has intended. Okay, Um, dreams and God speaking through dreams isn't even really mentioned that much throughout the entirety of the scriptures. I think it's three times. Okay, maybe a little bit more. So that doesn't happen all that much. But when you have a when you have Pharaoh, who is, you know, he's a pagan in the sense of uh, in his worship and practices, he worships multiple gods and all that stuff. The Lord is going to go directly to him within dreams. Now, these Egyptians believed, they placed tremendous significance on dreams, okay? They always believed that the gods that they would worship, there's a multitude of them for these guys, would, would oftentimes leave clues within dreams. And that's why they would have magicians and dream interpreters around them. They, and they would retell these dreams. And it was the job of the magicians and the, the wise ones to find the clues and to interpret the clues. Because whatever God, maybe it was Ra for them or, or whoever it may have been, Osiris or whatever, uh, was you know, trying to communicate to the Pharaoh by these obscure kind of dreams. But he has this dream. He only has this dream because God has given him this dream. God has given him this dream. And so now it's time for 
Joseph to move. It's time for action. Um, he's going to deliver him out of the prison and into the palace, but he's going to do it by way of speaking to Pharaoh through dreams and giving him dreams that, well, nobody knows what they mean. Nobody understands them. They're very important simply because you're talking about cows and grain, which again are the two chiefest commodities within Egypt at this point in time. So this is going to disturb Pharaoh just because he understands this is all the nation's wealth that is represented by these cows and these stalks of grain. So it's, it's going to stress him out. And to have back-to-back dreams, it's really, going to, it's really going to put him in a place of panic, and he's going to call in all his guys and says, okay, I've had two dreams, and I pay you guys a lot of money to tell me what these things mean. So here's my dreams. And they're going to be like, no, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. However... After this two years, a light bulb's going to go on within the brain of the cupbearer, or maybe your translation says the chief butler. Really, he could be called a secret service agent because he was basically the bodyguard for Pharaoh. It says in verse 9, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. He's like, oh, oh, Pharaoh, um, listen, man, I've, I've forgotten about something. You telling me about this dream reminded me that I have failed somebody for two years. And that's what he's saying. I, I've remembered my offense, or I've, ref- I've remembered my faults this day. He, he is now, just so happens, remembering Joseph, the one who everybody recognized that God was with this kid, and that he had this ability to interpret dreams. And it wasn't Joseph who could interpret dreams. It was God who would interpret the dreams for Joseph. So the chief baker's like, listen, um, man, I remember my faults this day. Uh, It says, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and, and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream one night, he and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. So each had two different dreams uh, involving basically the same situation. Now there was a young Hebrew man there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him or impelled the baker. So what, what this guy is, is retelling to the Pharaoh, two years ago, you had us locked up. You remember that? And Pharaoh's like, yeah, I remember that. Well, when we were in jail, there was this young Hebrew there, and we both had dreams, and he was able to interpret these dreams for us. And his interpretation came true right down to the specific details. He's the man for the job. You have, you're having trouble with these two dreams. Well, it just so happens that in our prison, there's a kid who can bring clarity to your heart and to your mind concerning his dreams. So Pharaoh, verse 14, sent and called Joseph, and they brought him out, quick, or brought him out of the, uh, quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. So just so we understand culturally as well, the Egyptians at this point in time, they, they were like smooth shaved, like no stubble, no beards, none of that stuff, clean shaven. You needed to look nice, if you, especially if you were going, the, going into the presence of Pharaoh, who was like the chief ruler of the world at that point in time. Egypt was very uh, accomplished at this moment within history. 
So if you're going to stand before Pharaoh, you needed to be clean shaved. You got to be smelling good, looking good and all that stuff. So he gets delivered out of prison, uh, leaves his orange jumpsuit there at the jail cell, and he puts on the nice, clean, white linen cloth kind of gown type thing that they would wear. Uh, and he's all, you know, all, all cleaned up just to be in the presence of Pharaoh, just to have an audience with him. So he, he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, verse 15, says to Joseph, um, I've had a dream, and there is, uh, there is no one who can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And look at Joseph's response to him, verse 16. Uh, Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, uh, it's not in me. It's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love that. It's not in me. I'm sorry, Pharaoh. This is a very bold statement to make to the ruler of the world at this point in time, right? To, to start off, your, the first thing you say to Pharaoh is like, oh, no. It's not me. You know, that could immediately communicate to Pharaoh, like, wait, but you are the guy, right? Like, no, they told me you could do this. Joseph is immediately, first and foremost, he is directing all praise to God. He's like, listen, um, Pharaoh, just so you understand, uh, this isn't anything that I can do. It's not me. This is God. This is, this is God. All, all interpretations to dreams belong to God. So he's like, God is the one who can, who can answer you in this time of need of, of your life. Luckily, Joseph has a relationship with God. And God can use Joseph to, to bring this interpretation and this clarity to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh tells him, verse 17, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Good stuff. That's a good part of the dream. That's great. That's As a Pharaoh and as a leader of a nation... That's what you want to see happening. Healthy cows, eating grass, that means things are going well for you, okay? Seven, and we'll understand the significance of that in a second, but that's a good thing. However, then behold, uh, seven other cows came up after them, poor uh, and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, seven heads of grain, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered and thin and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them, and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. So he's like, all right, well, here's my dream. You got seven good cows. You got seven bad cows. You got seven good, you know, good, healthy stocks of grain. You got seven bad ones. And the bad ones are devouring the good ones. Go. Interpret. <laughs> and just so we understand, even regionally where these guys are at, there was this, this wind that would happen in the springtime uh, that would come in from the east. And this hot wind would have the ability to increase the temperature in a matter of like moments by like 50 to 60 degrees. And this is this wind that he's referencing within his dream. So this hot wind from the east, this desert wind would come through and it would just blast this grain and it would cause it all to wither in a matter of like moments. The 
beginning of the world has been a hotly contested topic for some time now, and the debate has caused many to dig deeper into their origin. The simplest answer is often the one that's correct. Our world and everything in it was molded and placed in its orbit by a supreme being, God. The account of this beginning and the first people to walk the earth is recorded for us in the pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. God's authority over nature and humankind has been evident from the start. He simply spoke and all took shape. God formed people to inhabit this beautiful planet, to care for it and for each other. Pastor James Grizzle has been taking the time to share God's plan for life from the pages of Genesis. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue the story. If you missed any part of today's message on Bread for the Broken, don't worry. You can find it now on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Listen through all of Pastor James' teachings that we've made available there, and feel free to share them with any friends or family you think would find it helpful. That website again is breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad you chose to spend time with us today, and we want you to know that we're keeping you in our prayers every time we produce another edition of this program. Each edition of Bread for the Broken is made with our listeners in mind, and we want to make sure our Creator is the first one we're all turning to. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Bread for the Broken. It's our prayer that every listener finds hope and new life in Jesus.